chapter thirty three kings queens pawns and american woman on the front this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by kathleen kings queens and pawns an american woman at the front by mary roberts reinhardt chapter thirty three the red badge of mercy immediately on the declaration of war by the powers the vast machinery of mercy was put in the field the mobilization of the red cross army began that great army which is of no nation but of all nations of no creed but of all faiths of one flag for all the world and that flag the banner of the crusaders the red cross is the wounded soldier's last defence borne as a brassard on the left arm of its volunteers it conveys a higher message than the victoria cross of england the iron cross of germany or the cross of the legion of honor of france it is greater than cannon greater than hate greater than bloodlust greater than vengeance it triumphs over wrath as good triumphs over evil direct descendant of the cross of the christian faith it carries on to every battlefield the words of the man of peace blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy the care of the wounded in war has been the problem of the ages richard the lionheart took a hospital ship to the coast of palestine the german people of the middle ages had their wounded in battle treated by their wives who followed the army for that purpose it remained for frederick i of prussia to establish a military service in connection with a standing army with the invention of firearms battlefield surgery faced new problems notably hemorrhage and took a step forward to meet these altered conditions it was a french surgeon who solved the problem of hemorrhage by tying the torn blood vessels above the injury to england goes the credit for the prevention of sepsis as far as it may be prevented on a battlefield as far as it may be prevented on a battlefield for that is the question that confronts the machinery of mercy to-day transportation to the hospitals has been solved to a large extent by motor ambulances by hospital trains by converted channel steamers connecting the continent with england hospitals in the western field of war are now plentiful and some are well equipped the days of bedding wounded men down on straw are largely in the past but how to prevent the ravages of dirt the so-called dirt diseases of gaseous gangrene blood poisoning tetanus is the problem i did not see the first exchange of hopelessly wounded prisoners that took place at flushing while i was on the continent it must have been a tragic sight they lined up in two parties at the railroad station german surgeons and nurses with british prisoners british surgeons and nurses with german prisoners then they were counted off i am told ten germans came forward ten british in wheeled chairs on crutches the sightless ones led the exchange was made then ten more and so on what a sight what a horror no man there would ever be whole again there were men without legs without arms blind men men twisted by fearful body wounds two hundred and sixteen british officers and men and as many germans were exchanged that day they were however in the best of spirits said the london times of the next day at folkestone a crowd was waiting on the quay and one may be sure that heads were uncovered as the men limped or were led or wheeled down the gangplank kindly english women gave them nosegays of snowdrops and violets and then they went on to what for a few weeks or months they will be the objects of much kindly sympathy in the little towns where they live visitors will be taken to see them the neighborhood will exert itself in kindness 
but after a time interest will die away and besides there will be many to divide sympathy the blind man or the man without a leg or an arm will cease to be the neighborhood's responsibility and will become its burden what then for that is the problem that is facing each nation at war to make a whole life out of a fragment to teach that the spirit may be greater than the body to turn to usefulness these sad and hopeless by-products of battlefields the ravages of war to the lay mind consist mainly of wounds as a matter of fact they divide themselves into several classes all different all requiring different care handling and treatment and all in their several ways dependent for help on the machinery of mercy in addition to injuries on the battlefield there are illnesses contracted on the field septic conditions following even slight abrasions or minor wounds and nervous conditions sometimes approximating a temporary insanity due to prolonged strain to incessant firing close at hand to depression following continual lack of success to the sordid and hideous conditions of unburied dead rotting in full view for weeks and even months during the winter frozen feet sometimes requiring amputation and even in mild cases entailing great suffering took thousands of men out of the trenches the trouble resulted from standing for hours and even days in various depths of cold water and was sometimes given the name water bite soldiers were instructed to rub their boots inside and out with whale oil and to grease their feet and legs unluckily only fortunately situated men could be so supplied and the suffering was terrible surgeons who have observed many cases of both frost and water bites say that curiously enough the left foot is more frequently and seriously affected than the right the reason given is that right-handed men automatically use the right foot more than the left make more movements with it the order to remove boots twice a day for a few moments while in the trenches had a beneficial effect among certain battalions the british soldier who wraps tightly a khaki putty round his leg and thus hampers circulation has been a particular sufferer from frostbite in spite of the precaution he takes to grease his feet and legs before going into the trenches the presence of septic conditions has been appalling this is a dirty war men are taken back to the hospitals in incredible states of filth their stiffened clothing must frequently be cut off to reveal beneath vermin-covered bodies when the problem of transportation is a serious one as after a great battle men must lie in sheds or railway stations waiting their turn wounds turn green and hideous their first aid dressing originally surgically clean becomes infected lucky the man who has had a small vial of iodine to pour over the gaping surface of his wound for the time at least he is well off the very soil of flanders seems polluted british surgeons are sighing for the clean dust of the boer war of south africa although they cursed it at the time that is not the army occupation which is causing the grave infections of flanders and france is shown by the fact that the trouble dates from the beginning of the war it is not that living in a trench undermines the vitality of the men and lays them open to infection on the contrary with the exception of frostbite there is a curious absence of such troubles as would ordinarily result from exposure cold and constant wetting the open-air life has apparently built up the men again and again the extraordinary power of resistance shown has astonished the surgeons it is as if in forcing men to face overwhelming hardships a watchful providence had granted them overwhelming vitality perhaps the infection of the soil the typhoid carrying waters that seep through and into the trenches the tetanus and gangrene that may infect the simplest wounds are due to the long intense cultivation of that fertile country 
to the fertilization by organic matter of its fields doubtless the vermin that cover many of the troops form the connecting link between the soil and the infected men in many places gasoline is being delivered to the troopers to kill these pests and it is a german army joke that before a charge on a russian trench it is necessary to send ahead men to scatter insect powder so serious is the problem in the east indeed that an official order from berlin now requires all cards returning from russia to be placarded aus Ruslan, before using again thoroughly sterilize and unlouse and no upholstered cars are allowed to be used generally speaking a soldier is injured either in his trench or in front of it in the wasteland between the confronting armies in the latter case if the lines are close together the situation is still further complicated it may be and often is impossible to reach him at all he must lie there for hours or even for days of suffering until merciful death overtakes him when he can be rescued he is and many of the bravest deeds of this war have been acts of such salvage in addition to the work of the ambulance corps and of volunteer soldiers who often venture out into a rain of death to bring in fallen officers and comrades in the western field some five hundred ambulance dogs are being used by the allies to locate the wounded when a man is injured in the trenches his companions take care of him until night when it is possible to move him his first aid packet is opened a sterilized bandage produced and the dressing applied to the wound frequently has a small bottle of iodine and the wound is first painted with that in cases where iodine is used at once chances of infection are greatly lessened but often he must lie in the trench until night when the ambulances come up his comrades make him as comfortable as they can he lies on their overcoats his head frequently on his own pack fighting goes on about him above him other comrades fall in the trench and are carried and laid near him in the intervals of fighting men bring the injured men water for that is the first cry a great and insistent need water when they cannot get water from the canteens they drink what is in the bottom of the trench at last night falls the evening artillery duel except when a charge is anticipated is greatly lessened at night an infantry fire is only that of snipers but over the trench and over the line of communication behind the trench hang always the enemy's starlights the ambulances come up they cannot come as far as the trenches but stretchers are brought and the wounded men are lifted out as tenderly as possible many soldiers have tried to tell of the horrors of a night journey in an ambulance or transport careful driving is out of the question near the front the ambulance can have no lights and the roads everywhere have been torn up by shells men die in transit and dying hark back to early days they call for their mothers for their wives they dictate messages that no one can take down unloaded at railway stations the dead are separated from the living and piled in tiers on trucks the wounded lie about on stretchers on the station floor sometimes they are operated on there by the light of a candle it may be or of a smoking lamp when it is a well-equipped station there is the mercy of chloroform the blessed release of morphia but more times than i care to think of at night there has been no chloroform and no morphia france has sixty hospital trains england twelve belgium not so many i have seen trains drawing in with their burden of wounded men they travel slowly come to a gradual stop without jolting or jarring but instead of the rush of passengers to alight which usually follows the arrival of a train there is silence infinite quiet then somewhere a door is unhurriedly opened maybe a priest alights and looks about him 
perhaps it is a nurse who steps down and takes a comprehensive survey of conditions there is no talking no uproar a few men may come up to assist in lifting out the stretchers an ambulance driver who salutes and indicates with a gesture where his car is stationed there are no onlookers this is business the grim business of war the line of stretchers on the station platform grows the men lie on them impassive they have waited so long they have lain on the battlefield in the trench behind the line at the dressing shed waiting always waiting what is a little time more or less now the patience of the injured i have been in many hospitals i have seen pneumonia and typhoid patients lying in the fearful apathy of disease they are very sad to see very tragic but their patience is the lethargy of half-consciousness their fixed eyes see visions the patience of the wounded is the resignation of alert faculties once i saw a boy dying he was a dark-haired brown-eyed lad of eighteen he had a leg shattered the day before and he had lain for hours unattended on the battlefield the leg had been amputated and he was dying of loss of blood he lay alone in a small room of what had once been a girl's school he had asked to be propped up with pillows so that he could breathe his face was gray and only his eyes were alive they burned like coals he was alone the hospital was crowded and there were others who could be saved so he lay there propped high alone and as conscious as i am now and waited the nurse came back at last and his eyes greeted her there seemed to be nothing that i could do before his conscious eyes i was an intruder gazing at him in his extremity i went away and now and then when i hear this talk of national honor and am carried away with a hot flame of resentment so that i too would cry for war i seem to see that dying boy's eyes looking through the mist that are vengeance and hatred and affronted pride to war as it is the end of hope the gate of despair and agony and death after my return i received these letters the woman who wrote them will i know forgive me for publishing extracts from them she is a belgian married to an american more clearly than any words of mine they show where falls the burden of war i have just learned that my youngest brother has been killed in action in flanders king albert decorated him for conspicuous bravery on april twenty second and my poor boy went to his reward on april twenty sixth in my leaden heart through my whirling brain your words keep repeating themselves for king and country yes he died for them and died a hero i know only that his regiment the grenadiers was decimated my poor little boy god pity us all and save martyred belgium in a second letter i enclose my dear little boy's obituary notice he died at the head of his company and five hundred and seventy-four of his grenadiers went down with him the regiment effectively checked the german advance and in recognition general Joff pinned the cross of the legion of honor to his regimental colors but we are left to mourn though i do no begrudge my share of sorrow the pain is awful and i pray that by the grace of god you may never know what it means for king and country the only leaven in this black picture of war as have seen it as it has touched me has been the scarlet of the red cross to a faith that the terrible scene at the front had almost destroyed came every now and then again the flash of the emblem of mercy hope then was not dead there were hands to soothe and labor as well as hands to kill there was still brotherly love in the world there was a courage 
that was not of hate there was a patience that was not a lying in wait there was a flag that was not of one nation but of all the world a flag that needed no recruiting station for the ranks it led were always full to overflowing a flag that stood between the wounded soldier and death that knew no defeat but surrender to the will of the god of battles and that flag i followed to the front to the field hospitals behind the trenches to railway stations to hospital trains and ships to great base hospitals i watched its ambulances on shelled roads i followed its brassards as their rearers walking gently carried stretchers with their groaning burdens and whatever may have failed in this war treaties ammunition elaborate strategies even some of the humanities the red cross as a symbol of service has never failed i was a critical observer i am a graduate of a hospital training school and more or less for years i have been in touch with hospitals i myself was enrolled under the red cross banner i was prepared for efficiency what i was not prepared for was the absolute self-sacrifice the indifference to cost in effort in very life itself of a great army of men and women i saw english aristocrats scrubbing floors i found american surgeons working day and night under the very roar and rattle of guns i found cultured women of every nation performing the most menial tasks i found an army where all are equal priests surgeons scholars chauffeurs poets women of the stage young girls who until now have been shielded from the very name of death all enrolled under the red badge of mercy End of chapter thirty three